Hi everybody, this is Brad the Pastor and welcome to episode 2 of the Wandering, Doubting, Wonderful Faith podcast. Uh, Before I get into what I wanted to share, I just wanted to give a trigger warning of sorts or fair notice that I'm going to be getting probably pretty deep, a bit uncomfortably so, with my issues with mental health, uh, self-harm, and even suicidal thoughts. So if any of that is triggering, harmful, not something you feel like you should listen to, join in next week when hopefully things can take the turn for, well, equally important things, but another topic. That I do apologize for taking so long. It's my hope for this to at least be a weekly thing. But me being Mr. Think Ahead, I decided to release the first episode of this the week before our first week of starting kindergarten and going back to preschool with both of our kids. So there was a delay there, but then something else happened that really laid me out on my back and set me on my heels. And that was the news of the tragic death of Pastor Jared Wilson. Now, I don't speak about this as somebody who knew him or followed his work. I'd honestly not even heard of the guy until he made the news for the sad reason of taking his own life. But I spent a couple days really reading up on him, and it was, well, made me feel grief-stricken and also terrible just for his family, and I don't know if other people feel this way in other jobs, but, you know, there have been a few other clergy recently who have committed suicide, but, you know, reading about Pastor Wilson, it hit me way, way hard and more close to home than I thought in ways that other instances hadn't, I think because I didn't seem to connect with him, even though I was connecting with Jared Wilson you know, through news reports and stories and things going on online. I had this deep, horrible feeling, and I don't know if maybe you've had it too before, of just reading about someone else's tragedy and knowing or thinking to the bottom of your core that that could have been me. And that's what I kept thinking as I read that he had his, you know, struggles with mental health, was an advocate, Certainly a powerful, good-hearted pastor. It seems like doing good work with, you know, a younger wife and a family and kids. And that's all that really hit me was, man, that guy was me, is me. And realizing where his story ended here on earth, it sent me down my own kind of deep spiral So it really made me take account of my own current mental health and well-being and kind of getting back on taking care of myself of sorts that I sort of mentioned in the first episode, but you know, to put it in clear terms that although I've struggled with it for a handful of years, I found out I was diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and clinical-level stress. Is thinking about you know how I deal with it, how I manage it. I realized the deviousness of this all because I'm I've become pretty well aware of and sort of have my 
red flags of sorts for when my depression or when that downward spiral hits me hard. You know, I can tell when it's an event or a conversation, a situation. In the past, it's happened pretty hard and fast. Like in my mind, being, I guess, a little bit of a stereotypical guy. I think of that scene in the movie 300 early on when the emperor's kind of emissary shows up to Sparta and threatens the king and this and that. And it's the really cool scene where the king you know, yells, this is Sparta, just kicks him in the hole with no end. That's how it's felt for me in the past when I'm well, not managing my mental health or depression well. It hits me hard and down I go. But in reading about Jared Wilson and taking account of myself, I've realized in the last couple weeks it's been something different. It's not been the steep cliff. It's been the gentle backsliding, the gradual decline, so I realized I was in a low, uh, another rock bottom of my own that I needed to get myself out of. And the key, for me at least, to getting out of it, staying healthy and well, is connection, community. That the reason I've really started getting care for myself uh, came... A little over a year ago, oh, this is where it gets kind of weird and rough to talk about, that I was in a state of being where I had totally isolated myself. You know, I was still present and working and around in all the ways I needed to and wanted to physically, but my natural tendency of putting the whole world on my shoulders and trying to manage it all, solve it all, take care of everyone else, had reached its utter highest peak. And as you may imagine, trying to take the whole world on your shoulders doesn't go so well or make you feel so well. And the stress, the anxiety, the worry became so much, it felt like it almost pushed me into like an outer body type experience. I felt hollow and empty, kind of zombie-like that I wasn't communicating to my wife in the ways I should. I was getting removed from and agitated from our girls. And it just well, came to a head one day. I was at home by myself, really wallowing and stewing in all this, of not knowing how I was going to make Christmas happen, not knowing how we were going to make ends meet, balance this or that, and... Just drowning in it, feeling all alone when I wasn't on the outside, but that was me on the inside. I remember I had done something. I was trying to muster up the will to get going for the day, so I I got in the shower. And I shaved, I think, a little bit to trim things up. At this point, I I felt like I was outside of myself looking at me. And I'd finished shaving, and I wasn't thinking. I didn't have any plan or intention, but I remember I just took my razor and I put it to my wrist. And then I kind of moved it up one direction on it, then another, and I kind of swiped it across. In some weird way, I kind of knew, you know, the mechanics of what I was doing, but I wasn't thinking. I wasn't, you know, engaged or 
having any plans, but I I did it a few times. I didn't actually, you know, cut or injure myself or anything. But after doing it too many times, it felt like an eternity, may have been a minute or two, I kind of just snapped out of it. Well, really, the thought came to my mind about our girls. And once I came back to my senses, I practically jumped out of the shower, got dressed, went about my day, and after a couple of days of kind of being in shock about it, confused, not sorting myself out, somehow I finally got up the will to tell my wife Erin on the phone. And she understandably went into crisis mode and planning interventions, this or that, and I was, well, freaking out of my own way. We settled on going right to the doctor, and I did. Got put on a very good antidepressant, and in a sense, here I am. Now, when I tell people about this, I really believe God pulled me out of it with some prayer, with renewed spiritual disciplines, but also, yeah, medication, regular counseling, and learning how to communicate again to my wife to let her in on the issues and struggles and not try to preserve some kind of weird imaginary world for her while you know I'm dealing with all the fallout personally on myself. And it served me well, and like I said, I kind of had an eye out for what to look for through therapy. I got many good practices to maintain my own well-being. But I realize now, yeah, I was always on the lookout for the crisis point. Well, now I know there's more than one way to get there. And again, for me, part of why I'm doing this, trying to blog and put myself out there to connect and help people is that community, that connection. I know me on my own is not always the best. In some ways like that, it can be dangerous and awful. And I don't presume to know anyone else's story, but I've encountered plenty of people nowadays who yeah, just feel alone, cut off, that they have no help, no resources, that it's all on them. And I've been there, with God and without God, really. But I can keep going on, moving forward, because even in the worst, the horrible, the trials, even as I backslide in some ways and kind of fall into old habits of self-preservation and survival, I know where that road leads. And I know the way of health, of wholeness, still doesn't always look good or is pretty, but I'm not on it alone. So kind of dealing with all this and, you know, some other experiences, people kind of asking me about how do you share faith with those who don't believe? Doing the funeral for somebody whose religious belief standing was sort of debatable. It's kind of got me thinking, and it sounds lofty to say, but everlasting life and eternity. I think for a lot of us, even if we don't know it or not, or we don't remember getting the lesson, I feel like a lot of us sort of have this notion of everlasting life shaped as a this and then a that. 
You know, a lot of ways, I think people believe the gift we get from Jesus, if you believe in him, is sort of that ticket to the perfect, the beautiful, that heavenly next. And this comes out, you hear a lot of songs where people talk about how, you know, this is not our home, this is not where we're supposed to be. And I kind of have to call shenanigans on that in the long run. If you even look at the Bible, turn to the very end, Revelation. Where does God ultimately make God's home? Here, on earth. And I think that's a powerful thing that reshapes a lot of it. Like I know what it feels like to want to escape, get out of this at feeling too much, to go to a something else. But I really don't believe anymore that there is a something else, the way a lot of us think of it, how I used to. It's life, it's right now. It's what God has given us. Good, bad, messy, great, and otherwise. And it's interesting when you think about things like eternity and the kingdom of God. If you look at how Jesus spoke about it, acted it out. You know, he never said, just hold out for a while. Or this is going to be pretty terrible, but what next is perfect. You know, he said the kingdom is here. By what he said, what he did, all of it. He gave people who were poor and starving and forgotten hope for right now in the midst of it. He represented, this is what the kingdom looks like right here. This is what needs to be turned on its head and redirected, and you and I, all of us, can live into it right now. But not by ourselves, but together. So I encourage you, if you feel that isolated, that cut off or alone, or that the whole world's on your shoulders and you feel like you're drowning or suffocating and you want to get out. If all you're thinking about is escape and survival, call somebody, text them, or get the help you need. If you know of somebody who you may think be in that kind of situation, reach out. That eternity is too big. Our whole lives are too big for us to decide on in an instant. But we can get to that place. So if you open yourself up to receive that help or reach out to somebody else, you're not just doing a good thing, you're changing eternity. You're affecting the world in a good and positive way. And ultimately that's what believing in some greater power, God, however you may view God, is about. Not us punching our ticket to the good place and avoiding the bad place, but making that hope and a dream a reality today in the lives of as many people as possible. So I hope my story, that helps in some way. You know, I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ, a Christian and a pastor who has hope and assurance and a lot of struggles. A lot of things I still get anxious and wound up about. Now I just have a better idea of what to do with them. And I hope you do too. But if you do need help, I'll include some numbers and information to get it. And if you don't have anybody else, if you're in any kind of context, please reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, email. And my goal is for this to still be a conversation, a community. And I do call myself Brad the Pastor, and it does sound kind of cheesy, but... I'd love to be pastor to anybody who needs it. So I hope you all take care. 
blessings in all the ways you'd like to receive them, and I'll talk to you soon.